Welcome to Imperfect Action. This is Brock Edwards. And as we wrap up 2019, I'm counting down Imperfect Action's top 10 most popular episodes. Now, number nine is entrepreneur, writer, speaker, podcaster, Lori Rudiman. Lori shares lessons that she learned from being the CEO of a startup. We get into how do you know when to persist and when to cut your losses. She talks about rethinking the role of work and the importance of service and relationships in our lives. Now, Lori was the first guest on Imperfect Action, and her straightforward approach to business and life continues to be a listener favorite. So listen to it, and then please share with someone that you feel would benefit from Lori's message, people who could use the information or the inspiration to take that next step and move forward in their business or in their life. Now, yesterday, we looked at Rajesh Sethi. He was at number 10, and Rajesh has such a unique approach to business and, and to life. It's really hard for me to summarize, but he has such a just peaceful, straightforward take on things. Uh, give it a listen. And then coming up tomorrow, just a, a sneak peek, we've got number eight is Tuomas Ranakari. And if you're not already aware, that is one of my favorite episodes. So uh, give Lori a listen today. Uh, I think you'll really take a lot from what she has to say. And then, as I mentioned, please share it with others who you think would benefit. Let's get started. Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Brock Edwards, and this show is all about getting unstuck, getting out of your own way, taking action, moving forward, and building momentum as you go. Now, whether you're running your own business or you're starting a side hustle or you're just taking on a very important project in your life, this is the show for you. This is a show where we talk to regular people who are up to extraordinary things and find out how do they do it? Because that's what I take inspiration from when I see people just like me and I think, man, if they can do it, I can do it too. So listen in, join in the journey, and let me know how are you moving forward? What actions are you going to take right now today? This is Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards, and let's just jump right in here. We've got Lori Rudiman as a guest today. Lori, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, Brock, first and foremost, I'm honored to be here, so thanks for having me. I am very simply a writer and a speaker and an entrepreneur, and I love the title of this podcast because um, I'm the queen of imperfect action. <laughs> That's my story. Excellent. So you just covered a, a huge range of things there. Uh, writer, speaker, entrepreneur. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what, how are you an entrepreneur? What, what, what approach do you take there? What's, what's the business? Yeah, well, the business uh, has been threefold. The business is uh, creating content and working with technology companies in the human capital space. So I'm always jumping in and helping people out when they're stuck or they're broken or they need some assistance and guidance on how to sell a product. The second aspect of my business is me. I'm trying to share my ideas and I have a podcast and uh, a blog and I'm working on a book right now. And then the third aspect of my business is just this really weird space where, um, I don't know, I'm trying to amplify good stories and good ideas and trying to take on new responsibilities. So for a while, I had my own tech startup. I found a really good idea that someone was working on and they asked me to join. And unfortunately, uh, that failed. But in the moment, I was, you know, I have a bias towards action. I just wanted to do something and I was really excited by the idea. So I jumped in and man, I love the idea of being a tech founder again. So I'd love to do that at some point in my future. 
All right. Nice. Well, uh, your startup failed. Startups don't fail, do they? Don't they just kind of become all the next Facebook and Ubers? <laughs> yeah, I wish. So I had a startup that was focused on project management. We were trying to help people figure out how to avoid failure before they even get started, because we believed that there are really 10 to 10 to 11 ways that people fail over and over again. And so if you can have a conversation before you do your project planning and do something called a pre-mortem, you can bake in like risk management into the project itself. So if you sit around and you think about, I want to build a website for my business, well, we all know that there are like six different ways that websites fail over and over again through the design process. So, hey, maybe let's not make those mistakes let's make new mistakes. <laughs> so we put together an online platform called a pre-mortem and people liked it. They really liked the idea, but um, it focuses on the negative, right? It focuses on people really trying to figure out how did we make mistakes in the past? And it turns out people don't like to be negative. They like to be dreamy at the beginning of a project. So while the platform was helpful and instructive, nobody really wanted to pay money for it. And so it goes on the pile of things that are not Facebook. <laughs> so, but you're, you're so, okay. So we've got this tech startup, didn't quite pan out the way you, you wanted. Um, turns out it was something people need, but just not something people want. Right. And I uh, mentioned trying to amplify good stories, working on a book, uh, blog, podcast. Yeah, I'm busy. That's what I am. I'm a busy woman. You are busy. And what, what I don't see in that mix of things is, is day job. And so, <laughs> wait, this is all my day job. And, and that's, that's the thing about my life. For uh, 12 years, I had a corporate human resources job. And I have to say, I was good at it in that I did it. And I, you know, received raises and promotions and really enjoyed uh, the work. But I didn't enjoy being a human resources lady. And I didn't get along with anybody in HR because I had this weird belief that the best HR was the lightest. HR mm. and that for the most part, people can manage themselves. And I assumed good intent and it generally worked out. So I had a lot of free time and I learned about marketing and sales and social media. And everybody that I worked with in human resources really had a different philosophy. They believed HR was the most important thing to the business and that HR influenced culture and HR was in charge. And I didn't have a lot of friends. And so back in 2004, I started blogging about my struggle. And then in 2007, I had this blog that was anonymous, but had a lot of traffic. And so I decided to out myself as a blogger and try to be full-time Lori Rudiman, which is a woman with ideas and passions and not really interested in human resources as a full-time job. All right. So that was 11 years ago. Yeah. Can you believe it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, they, you often hear the joke, it's only 10 years to becoming an overnight success. <laughs> Boy, I'm right on time. <laughs> yeah, I'm right on time. And so what, what, for, I mean, for the, for, for the, those listening out there, I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of in, in the shoes that you were in where, yeah, they've got a job, it pays the bills, they're good enough at it, but it's not really satisfying for them. It's not really maybe where they want to be or where their their real joy and fulfillment is. And so you have successfully kind of pulled away from that over time and, and now are up to a lot of things. You, you yeah. haven't slowed down. You've sped up. Well, let me ask this. So you're, you're, you are your own boss, obviously. And that is kind of, you know, a, a living the dream moment. I think a lot of people dream about being their own boss. But 
for you, what's the what's the challenge? What's the downside? What is it that you wish people knew about being your own boss when they tell you, oh, Laura, you are so lucky? <laughs> right, right. Well, here's the deal. I am not my own boss. I just have a lot of different bosses now instead of mm. one. So I wish I would have known that in the beginning, that being a solo entrepreneur means that you serve all of your customers and really their moods, their needs, their business needs dictate how you provide service and really dictate your business strategy. But, you know, out of all of this, the one lesson that I've learned in my life is that it doesn't matter what your job title is. If you're not happy as an individual and you're not living a life with purpose, you could, you could have no job. You can have 17 jobs. It really doesn't matter. And so the current focus of my life right now is deprioritizing work. I mean, I still have to work. I'm not independently wealthy, but I work in service of something greater. I work for my cozy little family and my life that I love. I work for my retirement. I work because it makes me a better thinker. I work because it funds my volunteerism. And once I kind of got that right and focused on my well-being, both emotionally and physically and financially, the work doesn't the work is important, but it doesn't really matter. My life matters. And that 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 distinction in the equation has made all the difference for me. So, you know, Brock, if somebody wanted to offer me $100 to shovel a pile of poop, and that $100 meant that I could get that much further ahead with my retirement goals, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to shovel that poop because I've got a bigger plan in mind. So that's kind of how I see my life. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, well, it think, helps me to be happy. I think there's a, a lot in there. I'm not even sure where to start diving in. I mean, what, one of the things that struck me is you mentioned that, you know, you, you use work to fund volunteerism. And it, and it sounds like basically you're using work to fund your lifestyle versus maybe seeing work as uh, the core of your identity or the core of your fulfillment. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I have this podcast in this book and this philosophy called Let's Fix Work. And I really believe that we fix work by fixing ourselves. So I'm not so concerned about hegemonic corporate interests. Like I don't, I don't really care about whether or not some company wants to be the best and dominate a marketplace. What I care about is my family and my community. And if I can do good work for a corporation that I believe in, that's absolutely fine. But really what matters to me is making sure I live in a community where kids are taken care of and there are no animals on the street and animals aren't being abused and uh, we're taking care of our homeless. So those are those are the things that matter to me. And if I prioritize those first, it helps me to, I think, pick better clients, do better work, and also feel more fulfillment in my work because I know my money and my attention ultimately goes to something better. So when, when you start, you know, tech startups, when you start leaving the corporate life, uh, I, I, I kind of thought you were supposed to end up on Instagram in front of your Italian sports car in front of your mansion. Well, I do have all of those, Brock, as you can see by my Instagram account. <laughs> you know, I uh, benefited because I left corporate America in 2007, and I had been blogging since 2004, and I was on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and even Instagram very early. And so I amassed followers at a time where I didn't have a lot of competition. You know, I'm verified on many of those sites. And so I've got some of that kind of Insta-famous stuff going on in my world. but. Um, I'm going to tell you, it's a little creepy, especially if you're over the age of 30. 
You know, like I don't want people seeing my life and I may want them seeing aspects and fun things, but that Insta life is overrated and ultimately shallow. And, and it really does not translate into business. That's the other thing. I mean, maybe it translates into a business if you're young and beautiful and tall and thin. I don't know. But for me, you know, SAP or Workday, they don't ask me how many Instagram followers I have. They want they want to know the body of my work and they want to see samples of the good work I've done elsewhere. So yeah, all of that is a bit overrated. All right. Well, let, let me ask this. I'm going to switch gears a little bit here on you, on you, Lori. You know, um, it kind of... We've got competing um, maxims, ideologies in, in our world, in our society, you know, and, and we've kind of got this idea that good enough isn't, you know, it's just not good enough. It, it needs to be perfect. And then we've also got the idea that nah, good enough is good enough. Mo- do it and move on. How do you balance those out? Wow, Brock, that's a really great question. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if there's ever really a thing called balance in this world. I mean, that's that's a perfect ideal. But there are moments where, you know, you've got to get work done and you've got to work hard and and it's all work. And sometimes there's aspects of my life where work is deprioritized. But as long as I know who I am and what I deliver and what my values are, I generally go to bed at night feeling okay. Like some days are incredibly stressful and some days are easier than others. But, you know, I've got uh, a solid marriage and I've got great relationships with my family that, you know, I've worked really hard on attaining and I feel good with myself. And I don't know, that's about the best you can do with adulthood. And then you just deal with the chips as they fall. All right. Well, you, now you've had, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, like tech startup failed and yeah, I mean, obviously you've been working, you know, for 11 or so plus years just in, in various iterations uh, of blogging and, and booking and podcasting, speaking, all those things. Yeah. Where, where is the line for you or, or what advice could you give around being persistent, you know, seeing it through, pushing through the challenges? And at what point does that just become counterproductive and you need to just realize, hey, this isn't working out. I need to move on to something else. Yeah, that's a really great question because I think uh, there are a couple of different tendencies that I see people doing. They quit on themselves too soon or they stick with something and it's just clearly dying on the vine. And I actually have a reputation for killing things early, but I can kill things early because I see a lot and I work with uh, enough companies to see things you know, tendencies where they're going and where they're failing. And so I've got a lot of institutional knowledge. I think you should never quit the first time you think about quitting. That's always a really bad, like first time you think of doing anything, you should just pause and take a breath. Um, But you can ask yourself some really good questions like, does what I'm doing align with my values? Have I seen this successfully play out in other ways? You know, can you talk to other people who have done this before and get really good advice? But ultimately, if you're, and and I don't mean this superficially, but if you're unhappy and you're suffering, and this is supposed to be something that brings you joy, you should really examine why you're suffering and why you're unhappy. And I think a lot of times people don't quit because of the shame of quitting. And that's really stupid. There's no shame in failing. And in fact, the sooner you fail, the sooner you can start up again. <laughs> so I really believe in rewarding failure and de-shaming it and de-escalating it because 
it's truly no big deal. And when we um, look at all the really awesome people in the world who have done good things, their accomplishments are built on a bed of failure. So mm. I, I, I just, uh, I'm amazed when people stick with something that's clearly going nowhere just for the sake of, you know, I'm, I'm committed to it and I don't want to let it go. And it's like, dude, let it go. Because if it's a good idea, it's going to come back in another version or another iteration. Wow. So, and you may have, already, I think you've already touched on, on my next question a little bit, but what have your failures and setbacks taught you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not going to die. <laughs> like that's really one of the simplest things to say, but very early on, especially with my public speaking career, you know, public speaking is built on this really weird thing where you have to do it more to get better, but you suck in the beginning. And so I would stand on stage and I would absolutely bomb or I would be nervous or I'd feel like I was going to throw up. And I was like, man, that was awful. And sometimes I was right. It was awful. But honestly, I was earnest and I was genuine and I worked really hard to develop my skills. And I would ask for second, third, fourth chances to do keynotes, to do webinars, to do conferences. And slowly I got better and I had just a good spirit about it and a good work ethic. And I never failed as bad as I thought I failed. And one of the ways that I learned that is by recording myself. So I would stick my stupid iPhone up in a corner and I would do my keynote and there were things that I could do better, but it was never as bad as I thought it was. So I just, you know, persisted and got a little bit better. So you're not going to die. Persistence is valuable. But I also have mentors, Brock, who give it to me straight. And a couple of those mentors, well, one of them is William Tinkup. And mm -hmm. with my tech company, it was really important. I would go to William and I would say, this is my challenge. This is my struggle. And he would talk about other people who have been in my similar situation. And we were able to figure out when it was time to let it go. So I was really grateful for that kind of impartial advice. So, you know, be persistent, uh, you know, evaluate yourself fairly and get non or get Im impartial feedback. And th that'll definitely be helpful for you. Does that make sense? It does. Although, you know, when you talk about public speaking, um, you know, it strikes me that there's a, you, you have a certain level of masochism there <laughs> in, in that, you know, most people, I mean, um, I, I, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of great speakers and, but I think most people shy away from public speaking, you know, don't like it, um, are terrified of it. And one of, you know, the things about public speaking is if you fail, you fail in front of a whole group of people staring at you. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, you failed in your office and no one saw it. Yeah. Um, and when you're struggling, you're, you're, you're struggling with a whole group there. What kept you going back it, it, rather than just going, yeah, that was fun. I'm going to go do something else now. You know what uh, kept me coming back? I think it was a healthy mixture of narcissism and passion. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I really believe that I have some ideas in the world that can help people. And even if I stink at delivering those ideas, that's just one point in time. And I, I really want to get my ideas out there uh, about a whole host of things like the concept of work, which we've talked about. I have ideas about how human resources professionals can operate. So that kept me driving. And then I had ideas about personal branding and technology and social media and nobody else was sharing those ideas. And I thought, my God, if I don't say these things, no one else will. And so, yeah, a healthy mix of um, narcissism and passion will get you over the bump of failing over and over again. 
Yes. And, and you mentioned uh, turning to mentors. I mean, you mentioned William Tincup, but I, I know there are others in your life as well. Um, how do you find great people like that? How do you, how do you get them to shoot straight with you? How do you, I mean, just where, where do you even begin? Yeah. Well, it's weird that we're thinking about this because I have mentors and people in my life who have come and gone because I've asked and also because they just felt compelled to talk to me and I finally just shut up and listened. So I'll, I'll tell you a story. I gave a keynote speech at Mich- uh, Minnesota Sherm and maybe that was 2010 or 2011. And I wasn't so sure at the time that I was a keynoter. And another keynoter at that event pulled me aside and said, oh my God, you have to continue doing this. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. And he said something that hasn't like left me. He said, you're no different than Seth Godin. You've got really big ideas. People need to hear it. Would you just shut up and listen to me? I was like, oh my God. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So I just got called Seth Godin and told to continue going on. How could I ignore that? Right. And so that was unsolicited advice. It was praise at a moment. I didn't really think I deserved it. I was clearly feeling some imposter syndrome there, but you know, I just was quiet. I'm like, oh my God, this man is trying to give me a compliment. I'm going to take it. And it was at a really pivotal moment. And, uh, since then, this individual has continued to give me straight advice, whether I like it or not. And um, it was really important to me. So I think sometimes mentors are the people we ask for. And sometimes mentors are people who just feel compelled for whatever reason to speak to us. And it's important that we just shut up and listen. I, I love that he had to tell you to shut up and listen to him. <laughs> like, not stop telling me to shut up. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm going to make this amazing comparison. Now stop talking long enough and just listen to it. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, we just need to get out of our own way. That's how that works. Definitely. Definitely. So, well, let let me ask this then, Lori, where do you find yourself getting in your own way? You've got a lot going on. Um, I, I think a lot of them are, are kind of those dream jobs or, or people, things people talk about doing, you know, I'm going to write that book. I'm going to start that podcast. I'm going to blog. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Um, and, and you've done all that. Uh, you've, you've done a startup. You, you've got a lot going on. So where do you find yourself tripping yourself up? Yeah. Well, I'm uh, like everybody else, you know, I have a little bit of self-doubt and a little bit of insecurity. And so there's always that in the back of my head that tells me to quit before I get started or what I'm doing is stupid. But, you know, being self-employed, I could absolutely waste a day telling other people how to run their business without running my own business. (laughs) So, you know, I can hop on the internet and get lost in like thought leadership articles and not have any rigor or any structure. And so I have a coach who's absolutely challenged me to create a process to make sure that I start my day with winning routines and a winning mentality and to make sure that I tick certain things off during the day. And man, that's been a game changer because being self-employed, Brock, as, as you know, and we've talked about, you either have no bosses or a million bosses, but there's really nobody watching me clock in and clock out. So these rituals to make sure that I do certain things during the day are really important. And, and what are those? Because no one, I, I don't think, no one wakes up saying, I, I really need to get to those loser routines that I've got. <laughs> yeah. No, I wake up like that all the time. I'm like, hey, let me waste a day on Twitter. You know? <laughs> so, well, I definitely, I, I start by ending my day in the right way. And so now I end my day by thinking, what did I accomplish? And what are the things that I need to do 
tomorrow. And so I've got a list. But thinking about my accomplishments for the day really makes me accountable for ending the day positively and ending the day understanding whether or not I really actually did anything. So that's mm. been good. And then I Can I stop you right there, Lori? Yeah. Yeah. So ending the day positively, because you know, one of the things that I, I imagine goes on, so you've got a lot going on, you're, you're, you know, working from your home or your office or wherever you're working out of, you're not getting immediate feedback. Like you put a lot of effort out into the world, but if you're speaking, you know, it, it can be a long time before you're getting feedback. If you're hitting up clients, it can be a long time. You just, in fact, I know from speaking, you don't know if you did a good job or not often. That's right. Yeah. And, and so and that's brutal because we're all, you know, we, we all have self-doubt. And if you're <laughs> without some sort of affirmation that, yes, I did it right. You know, most most of us have a boss that at least says, no, you screwed that up or yeah, good <laughs> job. Keep going. Um, and it's usually, you know, fairly immediate. Um, but, you know, as, you know, being self-employed, um, you could screw something up and it could be months before you fully feel the impact of that. Yeah. So I... I guess, how do you keep yourself positive at the end of the day in the absence of steady feedback? Well, it's really about giving myself feedback. And so at the end of the day, I look back at what I've done during the day and did I move my business forward? Did I have good conversations? Did I meet somebody new? You know, every day is a little bit different for me being self-employed and a solo entrepreneur and a creator. But every day I challenge myself to talk to one new person every day. Mm, where, and, where, do you, where do you find one new person every day? Well, you know, I've got a, a lot of Twitter followers, <laughs> so that's a really good resource. But I have a lot of inbound inquiries, and a lot of those would be easy to ignore because I don't think they're going to result in any business. So as part of my business development strategy, I've been challenging myself to look at those inbound inquiries differently and think, well, even if they don't result in immediate work, could that relationship benefit me personally? Could it benefit a charity that I work with? Could I be helpful in some way to this individual that I don't even know? So five days a week, I talk to one new person every day. And again, I've got really great inbound resources, but sometimes, Brock, you're going to find this to be true. I've known someone on social media for five years and I've never had a conversation with them. So on those days where I don't have a new person to talk to, I could very easily look out onto LinkedIn and think, you know what? I've shared this person's content 17 times. It's time to schedule a phone call. And for, for those, I mean, for those listening who don't know you, I mean, so you, the, the image right now is oh, yeah. key, <laughs> keynote speaker, so, someone out and about, you know, cornering new people every day Long to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> Woman of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Just out social butterfly, extremely extroverted. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, kind of the, the woman version of Tony Robbins. Um, I mean, I'd you, like Tony Robbins's paycheck. That would be all right. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do have a lot. I, I have a lot of followers. I have a lot of people in my life. But you know, even if you don't have a big network, I'm 100% sure that there are people within your company or your business that you know of that you haven't interacted with. And there's no reason why you can't go to someone in procurement that you've dealt with or someone in, you know, your accounts payable or accounts receivable department or in uh, logistics or in the warehouse and just say hi and get to know them. I think that counts as a win for anybody. And also it's not about you and how you are going to get ahead. It's about how you might be helpful to this individual down the road. So there are definitely lessons in what I do for the average individual. 
Yeah, no, I, you know, I can just imagine some people just thinking in their heads as they listen to this, yeah, but I'm not extroverted. Yeah, neither am I, believe it or not. I don't get my energy from other people, um, but I have to go through the world having relationships and you don't get to do anything in this world without good relationships, without people at least thinking that you're helpful to them. So there's a lesson in that get over yourself. It's not about extroversion or introversion. It's about service. It's about relationships. It's about being an adult and getting out there and having a little bit of human to human connection. And then you know what? Do what I do. Go home and don't talk to anybody for five hours. (laughs) It's really that easy. But once a day, be of service to someone else. Mm -hmm. Love that. Now, in I interrupted you actually because you were telling us about your winning routines. You end the day being positive. Yeah, those. The, I mean, I end my day by being positive and trying to figure out, okay, what were my wins for the day, and what do I need to do tomorrow in order to be successful. So there's an inherent list in there. But I wake up in the morning, and a lot of people wake up, they roll out of bed, they grab their phone, they grab some coffee, and I'm trying not to touch my phone for 30 minutes in the morning. And you would think like, oh, that's easy. No, it's not easy to not touch my phone, but I want to wake up. I want to read the paper. I still get the paper. I know that's crazy, but I get the paper. So I read the paper. I have a cup of coffee. I talk to my husband. I have animals around the house. I have a routine, but I'm trying to wake up and remember that it's not about other people. It's about setting myself up in the morning. And so, oh, the other thing that's a little different is I take a I take a bath. Well, I take a shower. I shower at night. And so when I I go to bed clean, I go to bed rested, I wake up in the morning and I'm really kind of ready to start my cozy day, you know, and I don't need a cold shower to get me into reality. I'm waking up gently and on my own terms and, and slowly enough that it doesn't shock my system. But within a period of time that I'm ready to go and ready to work from my office within a half an hour to 45 minutes. So yeah. Mm. And then my days are different. You know, if I'm on the road, maybe I'm going to a client meeting. Maybe I'm speaking publicly. If I'm working from home, I check my email. I tick things off. I do my business development calls. But the other thing I do every day, Brock, is I exercise five days a week. I mean, this is just really important to me. And so, you know, whether it's a gentle walk or Pilates or I'm running, I've got something every day that reminds me that I'm human and I'm middle-aged and I need to take care of myself. Nice. Nice. Well, um, tons you 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 shared with us. I I mean... um, But this comes from not treating myself and my life well for 12 years in corporate America. You know, Uh, when I worked in corporate America, my time, I didn't feel like was my own. My Mm. calendar wasn't my own. And so I figured when I run my own business, I'm going to make sure that I undo the damage that I did in the global corporate environment. And one of the things I didn't do when I worked at Pfizer and Monsanto and Kemper Insurance is I didn't eat breakfast. I didn't eat lunch. I ate like crap. I didn't exercise. And so in designing my life, I tried to be intentional to take care of myself. So eh, if if that's helpful for anybody, if I can do it, any idiot can do it because I was a big idiot. So you have hit us. I mean, you, you, you've given us a lot here. I mean, three things that stand out in my head and just really resonate for me was the idea of, you know, don't quit the first time you think you should quit. 
you know, yes, go, go, go further. Um, but be willing to pull the plug when you need to, when it's obvious, uh, the once a day being of service to another person. And, and then, you know, just what you said here, you know, designing your life, being intentional about it. I, I think most of us, and I know I'm guilty of it, tend to sometimes live reactively rather than intentionally. Yes. And it's, that's a, a downward spiral. I, I, I don't think there's any positive way around that. That's more of surviving rather than thriving. You, you well, know, Brock, though, it's real easy for me. I know people are thinking this to say, well, we fix work by fixing ourselves. But, you know, if you don't put yourself first, no corporation will. And for years, I worked in a human resources department where we talked about well-being and wellness as if it was something a company could do for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm American and I really believe in our own manifestation of, of our lives. And I think there's no one who could put ourselves first except ourselves. And when we put ourselves first and we take care of our health emotionally, physically, financially, we're better employees. We're better parents. We're better individuals. We're better uh, community citizens. And for so long, there was this idea that some sort of patriarchal or matriarchal company could put a program in place. HR could swoop in and help you lose five pounds and run a 5K. That's garbage. You have to want to be able to do that. And it's a big jump from feeling like you're a victim in corporate America to having a little um, self-determination. But you can do this. You could want better things for your life and slowly start to design it. Like you're not going to design your perfect life overnight, but slowly you can take baby steps and say no to things or prioritize your time a little differently, guard your calendar a little bit differently and make these small incremental changes. And eventually you can have a life that's your own, but again, you're an adult. It's never going to be perfect. Some days are going to be more hectic than others, but it is possible to put yourself first and Brock, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. Mm. So true. So true. Well, as we wrap up here, here, Lori, um, all right. So you've given me a lot to think about and I love that. I absolutely love that. How can, how can people help you? So, well, uh, two, two questions for you here. One, how can people find you? And two, what ask would you have for people? So one of the things I love about the modern age, I mean, there's a lot of downsides to social media, but one of the cool things is that we're, we're connected. It, it's community. How can community help you out, Lori? Yeah, that's such a lovely question because I'm not great at asking for help. I'm like everybody else. You know, I'm like, yeah, I don't need anything. I don't want anything, but that's not true. Um, so first of all, everybody can find me on the internet by Googling I hate HR. <laughs> I mean, as I'm known for those SEO terms, so I hate HR, you'd be able to find me or you can find me at laurierudeman.com. I have a hack for that, which is worklifecats.com because my life is all about work and life and cats. But anyway, Lori Rudeman is the game on all social platforms. And I love to interact with people. And again, I love to be of service and meet new people. So I would welcome email, phone calls, text, tweets, smoke signals, whatever you got, just say hi. And the way that people can help me is that I am really trying to get my ideas about living a more people-first, human-first life out there. So I have a little podcast called Let's Fix Work. I have a blog. I would love for people to subscribe, say hello. And if they have good ideas, 
I want to hear about it. I'm always looking to amplify great ideas and great stories. So if anybody ever wanted to be a guest or to share a good idea or make recommendations about people that I should know, I'm open to it. So just say hi. That's really what this is all about. Excellent. Excellent. Well, everyone has their charge. They know what to do. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by NutraFit. Now, I tried NutraFit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made NutraFit different is one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutraFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on NutraFit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So NutraFit.net. And let me know what you think.